Hey guys, welcome to the Challenge Podcast. I'm Coach Steve. And I'm Coach Nick. And we're going to be talking about everything fitness, health, and the challenge. Let's get on with the show. What's up guys, Coach Steve here, and welcome back to another episode of the Challenge Weekly Show. In today's episode, I'm joined with our co-host, Coach Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? I'm really well, thanks, Coach Steve. And how are you? I'm really well. I'm really well because in my my, my personal life, uh, mm-hmm. my, my son has hit a milestone. My baby boy, baby Henry, four months old. Today, actually, it's his four-month birthday, and he is now rolling independently. Oh, I know. Cute. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and it's exciting to watch uh, your, your 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 son, my, I guess my second son, uh, you know, just doing things on, on their own. So they're now able to roll from his back to his, his stomach, and... You know, some people might hear that if they don't have kids, be like, "Oh yeah, that's cool. That's that's nice. I, I roll out a bit every day. Come on, come on, son, get it, get it, get it going." But uh, you know, it's the beginning steps, and when we look at the foundation steps of of movement, and this is maybe a little bit more uh, physical therapy world. You know, it starts with eye movement. That's that's first, and then it's head movement. And then once you're you're able to move your head, then you are able to roll. And once you roll, you kind of get into a four point kneeling position. You start to crawl. You go into a lunge position. You're now standing up, and then you're walking. Right. So that's how we kind of develop our movement and those movement patterns. Uh, and if we kind of lose a step along the way, like if we never really develop that rolling pattern, if we kind of skip that, we can sometimes see uh, challenges later on, where you know maybe someone in their twenties having some challenges with their hip and we might find that there's a discrepancy in their rolling pattern and we need to reteach the rolling pattern so that they can fix the hip but anyway it's exciting to see it happen my boy and now i'm in that next step nick uh every parent could probably understand where it is now uh out of the bassinet into the cot uh into another room um you know freaking out when you're watching the baby sleep on his stomach because it's rolled into a stomach and you know it's going to be okay but you're freaking out of course uh but that is my life right now yeah, and then you accidentally wake them up freaking out and then you're like, why do I do that? But yeah. every single time, yeah. every single time that's what happens. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it. You're feeling it. But look, yeah. as as my little family and my son develops, so is the challenge, Nick. Yeah, we are in week four of the challenge. We're coming into that third of the way through the challenge, 33% of the way through the challenge. And it's an exciting week, like always, because this weekend we have the phase one check-in uh all the week four check-in where we conclude the first phase of the challenge weeks one to four and then we transition into the next phase weeks five to eight how exciting yep absolutely so if you've made it this far uh you need to keep going you're doing really well that's right that's right now we do uh need to highlight that the the next phase weeks five to eight is where uh you know things become quiet uh, many challenges are, are getting into some work. Um, it's it's the first phase of the challenge is really fun, exciting, brand new, great. I'm going to the gym again. I'm getting my steps up, meeting well. And then the last phase, phase three of the challenge, weeks nine to twelve, that's really exciting too. Oh great, the challenge is almost over. Good, here we go. We're going to do this thing. But in the middle, it's like the it's like it's like hump day. It's like the the, the middle of the the challenge. It's 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 not exciting. It's not the honeymoon period at the start. It's not the the tail end of the challenge. It's just where the work happens. So you are at the highest risk of failure in the challenge in the middle of the challenge. Mm, so if you're definitely. listening to this, think about that. What are you going to do over the next four weeks when things get tough? When things become maybe stale, not exciting? Maybe you don't see the same progress as you were seeing in weeks one, two, three. Uh, it's not the exciting aspect of the end of the challenge. What are you going to do in that middle portion of the challenge to keep on going? Yeah, absolutely. So prepare for that. Know that it's very, very normal and um, you've got to actually prepare, find a way. 
got to prepare. Mm. Nick, talking about the check-in this weekend, uh, firstly, the check-in opens this Friday, Friday the 10th of March, and there's no real close for the check-in. You know, you'd be wise to do the check-in over the weekend so that you could be consistent. You do the, the, the check-in when it opens, you do the second check-in when it opens, and you do the final check-in. So there's a nice time frame in between each check-in so they can use that check-in photo uh, as a bit of a progress photo, you know, assessing where you are where you're at at this point in time. For that check-in photo, you'll be asked to take a front, a side, and a rear-facing photo, and you do not need any documents. No check-in document, no newspaper, nothing like that. It's just a progress um, shot of your front, side, and back, and then we'll be asking for your body weight at the, the phase one check-in, okay? Again, there's no close date for that check-in. You could do that phase one check-in at the end of the challenge, uh, but again, it'll be wise to do it this weekend so that you can get some good time frame in between each photo so you can make some good comparisons. Definitely. I can't wait to see them all at the end. It's so good. Now, uh, next week, we transition into week five or the second phase of the challenge where you'll be presented with a uh, new nutrition plan. So uh, potentially different uh, caloric goals, depending on the goal you set, depending how you set up your nutrition plan, and then a different base menu. Um, if you are following the base menu or if you're making lots of changes, that, that's totally up to you. Um, and then you'll also be presented with uh, new training workouts. So the next phase of your training program. Most programs are things like, you know, upper one, lower one, upper two, lower two. And then as we move on to the next phase, it'll be upper three, lower three, upper four, lower four. So that's kind of how the structure would work. Or if you're doing a specialized program, it might be, you know, legendary legs, one, two, three, four in phase one. And then as we go into phase two, it might be legendary legs, workouts number five, six, seven, eight. Okay. Again, you could just simply move the calendar forward. So if you're listening to this right now, you're curious what next week looks like, you could just move the calendar forward and review those workouts or the meal plan for next week. And then even in the third phase, as we go into weeks nine, uh, nine, 10, 11, 12, you can look at the those base plans as well. Yeah, you can see the future right now if you want to. Ooh. Ooh, see the future. You can manifest it, Nick. Yeah, or you can just scroll forward. <laughs> <laughs> no, love, it. Yeah. love it. Nick, let's move on to our next segment here. We have the community highlights where we highlight some members of our community. So, Nick, mm. who would you like to highlight this week? All right. So, Wendy McGarvey. So, Wendy says, I feel a bit vulnerable today. Sneaky little voice, sabotage sound. So, I went out for a walk. It rained. I got soaked, although warm, and I just kept walking to a T intersection. My new canine loved the adventure, and I obviously made up for some steps I missed out on during the week, and I'm happy I kicked myself out the door. Ooh, Wendy, I love that. I love that because it's those, it's those sessions that count. Absolutely, right. and she's thinking also about uh, average steps per week. So sometimes people go, oh, I didn't get my steps, so I'm just going to give up. But then if you think, okay, I've got a little bit more time today, I'm just going to keep walking, then you can actually get that average up. And that's what counts as well. Wendy, Wendy with the goods, showing us how it's done, getting out there oh, in Wendy. the rain, especially when you don't want to do it. That's when, that's when it yeah, matters totally. most. So the next one I have got is Ruth Hughes. Ruth says, hoping that people can please put their favorite motivational memes or quotes in the comments. My mother-in-law passed away on February 16th and I've wanted to put my husband and family first ever since. Now that the funeral is over, it's time for me to try and get back the incentive I had at the beginning of the challenge, but I'm finding it hard. So I prepared my own one that I like. I don't know if this is a motivational quote, but um, my favorite thing, my reason 
why is really um the the quote about being in the arena it's a huge quote so i'm not going to talk i'm not going to say the whole lot but um it's not the critic that counts it's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly who errs who comes short again and again because there is no error without effort and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds so you know, if you're in the arena, if you're giving it a go, that's my favorite quote ever. Um, so I just thought that I would say that one to Ruth because she's in the arena. She's better than she's doing better than you know, ninety percent of people out there. You put your mate, you're putting yourself out there. You've got other stuff going on. Sometimes you feel like you're not uh, achieving anything, but you are actually wanting to do it. You're in there, so nobody can take that away from you. Mm. Yeah, I I I like that being in the arena. Mm. You, 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 and and like the arena can mean lots of things to different people, right? The yeah. arena could be you know you're in a competition, Nick. You know you are going to step up on stage. You've got your competitors there. You're in the arena. All right, I'm mm -hmm. I'm, I'm about to do battle. Or yeah. the arena could be just your own personal space. It could be you know you against your, yourself in trying to improve over time. Or the arena could be your version of like a a, uh, a a maze. You're trying to go somewhere, and you know you might be lost at the moment. You just got to get your way through, and then you're you're out of the arena. So the arena can mean anything to you. It could be something that is uh, positive. Uh, it could be something that is uh, you know filled with 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 obstacles. But we're all in our own arena, which I think is. Is it, you know, cool yeah. to think about. And don't listen to anyone who's not in the arena trying to tell you all about the arena. Just say, jump in the arena or be quiet. <laughs> it's like all those uh, uh, armchair commentators, like when mm. the, the, like the Olympics come around, yeah. you know, you're watching like the gymnastics. You're like, oh, they didn't tuck and that. roll that yeah. very well. That, 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 that's a seven, not a 10. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, you, you, you become an expert very quickly on, on gymnastics, my friend. Uh, wh wh what did you know about that before? So um, I think there are lots of armchair warriors out there, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So the next one is Anita Marin. So Anita, she's very interactive with us at the moment. So shout out back to you, Anita, in real time. Hey, challenges and coaches. I had a win today and wanted to share. If anyone is on my Insta, they know I made a confession 10 days ago that I could only deadlift 30 kilos. One of my goals is to get stronger on deadlifts and aim towards lifting my body weight. Today, I did four sets of 30 kilos, 35, 35, 35. Then I threw in the fifth set, added five kilos just to see what 40 feels like. And I ripped out three. Small weight for a lot of people, but a huge win for me. Um, count all your wins peeps even if you think it's small they all add up um, and then she had a picture and it's got black plates so she said should have put the green plates on to look better but you get the gist so like anybody knows oh not anybody that's probably assuming but you know greens are tens so um, yeah but then there was a bit of a discussion that that maybe she didn't know what she was putting on there but um, she did know because she knew because that's her personal best so you do know your personal best so well done, Anita. That's excellent. Fantastic. Um, we love deadlift numbers here. So we always love a shout out for good deadlift numbers. Yeah. Congratulations, Anita. That, that, that's massive. Uh, and enjoy the shifting goalposts. You know, 40 kilos might be the start. Uh, and then it's 42.5, then it's 45, then it's, it's 47.5, then it's 50. Uh, and then, you know, onwards and onwards. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, the shifting goalposts. Um, but, you know, be hungry, never be satisfied. Yep. 
True. Nick, I've got a couple I'd like to highlight here. First one goes out to Kiva Kiva or Keva Keva. And Kiva writes, win of the week. Ooh, I like a win of the week. Uh, today, I made my kids one of the delicious English muffins with egg breakfasts. They loved it and actually ate it. Uh, I'm I'm uh, not looking forward to that day where my kids don't eat the food I put in front of them. Um, my, my my eldest George he eats whatever I put in front of him. Uh, it's great, it's awesome. So I'm not looking forward to the day where they refuse to eat my food. So uh, that's that's a win, Kiva. Congratulations. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know what's funny? They they go through that phase and then they come out of that phase. So my two went through that phase and now they're finally out of that phase, which is excellent because it's a lot easier then because you do go through a phase as a parent where you're just like, I just want you to eat. I just want you to eat. I don't care what you eat. Yeah. You want a lolly snake for breakfast or what, you know, at, at some point people will judge me for sure, but it's like when you're worried that they're not going to eat anything because they hate everything, that's when it becomes extreme, but then um, they come out the other side and then, yeah, see, the other day, Lucia um, let me make her cauliflower in the oven. So, woo, look out. Lucia. I know, stop it. So, Nick, our next one here goes out to Courtney Flower. Courtney writes, I missed hashtag a throwback Thursday. This is from this current challenge from prep week to today, to today which is Friday the 3rd. So this was just from a couple of days ago. I've done these challenges on repeat for about three years. All workouts are from home with occasional Pilates or PT sessions chucked in. I'm doing the rapid weight loss, still finding it to be quite a bit of food from the 800 calories I put myself on before this challenge started, which I struggled to lose weight. Now I'm nearly at my goal weight within the three weeks of the challenge. Happy Friday, Shariah. Courtney. Whew. I just want to mm. highlight this because, uh, of course, you know, there's a photo that accompanies, accompanies this post, but she just highlights um, that, you know, something like 800 calories, really restrictive diet. And this uh, idea that some of us get ourselves into where we almost have a fear of food. I need to restrict as much food as I can um, because, you know, we don't want to be gaining weight. And that that, 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 that makes logical sense. Yeah, I, I know that food makes me gain weight, so I don't want to eat anymore, but I'm going to only have 800 calories that may not be the most optimal approach to losing weight because we end up being in a really low energy level in general um, where we decrease our physical activity because we just don't have any energy uh, and then we are unable to perform uh, things like training or you know getting some steps in or even just like chores around the house um, and then you know we we struggle to see the the change in our physique, body composition, or even just our body weight. So Courtney has made that shift and she's done many challenges with us um, over, over the, the past years. Um, and, you know, we're excited to see what she could do in, in this current challenge. Yeah, go Courtney. You're doing really, really well. Um, I think it's fantastic. So just keep on that track. And the final one here comes from Rachel Endicott. And Rachel writes, end of week three accountability post like a good accountability post nothing hugely noticeable but centimeters down kilos on the body slowly coming down and kilos on the bar slowly coming up i'll just keep chipping away in our world of chasing instant gratification body transformation is a mental game as much as a physical one results can be slow to see so i'm focused on all the other wins better sleep better focus and concentration feeling proud of keeping my word to myself more energy, better skin. Have a great week, team. Woo. Rachel, just summarizing it all. Yeah, everything's coming down that we want to go down and things are going up that we want to go up and she's just feeling great all around. So great accountability post from Rachel here. 
yeah, really, really good. I love that. Um, I think as soon as we start to understand that things with body composition do happen reasonably slowly first up, um, I think that we can accept that and also take it as a win because anything that you end up doing, you've achieved, you've done it yourself. So how amazing is that? It's awesome. It's so good. Mm. Nick, let's move on to our final segment here. We have the question and answer segment where we answer some questions from our community. So the first question here comes from Christy and Christy writes, first challenge and need some advice. This last week, I've really been struggling with emotions and hormones, have had nothing in me and I don't want to put, and I don't want it to push me down. Is it normal or anyone else struggle? Nick, what would you say to Christy? Well, first of all, having emotional fluctuations is normal. It's normal whether you're doing a challenge or you're not doing a challenge. So uh, I guess because you're doing the challenge, you attach it to possibly it being because of the challenge. But I dare say that even if you weren't doing the challenge, you may have your ups and downs anyway. So um, I think probably, you know, probably cleaning up or doing stuff in your life trying to audit what's going on has maybe um, been a bit overwhelming so it depends um, what you've done Christy in terms of changes so um, a lot of different things at once throwing everything at it at once can feel overwhelming um, and that the nothing in me perhaps it, it is that that you have uh, you know raised your activity you have lowered your calories so it is absolutely normal to feel like that when you are undertaking something like this. Um, we speak about it a lot in other podcasts as well. So have a bit of a listen because um, we speak about hunger. We speak about um, neat, you know, um, getting that activity up. But in general, it's normal. But the thing is, what I want to explore here is where she says, don't want it to push me down. That's a kind of, I'm just going to be, blunt it's a, it's a get out of jail thing it's like it's going to push me down and and I'm going to stop doing it because the minute that you feel uncomfortable is usually where you need to be in life in general so um if you say you don't want it to push me down you're giving you're giving the challenge and some training sessions and some food a lot of power here why don't you flip it around and say it's helping you it's helping you. Um, so yeah, there are some things that you can do. Um, you might be able to, uh, you know, have have a rest day if you really need to, or um, change your sessions around so uh, you feel like you've got a little bit more energy. Um, that kind of a thing. But in general, it is a challenge. You are going to feel challenged. How are you going to cope with it? How are you going to react? What are you going to do that's different? And also, if you're on your period, which I'll talk about next, but if you are, then it is also normal because as women, there are millions of fluctuations during the month that are going to make you feel like that as well. But I don't want to actually, I don't want to diminish what she's feeling by saying that because sometimes that's a bit annoying because as women, we can also just feel like crap either way. Let me just say, it doesn't matter what our hormones are doing. We can feel like crap because we just feel like crap. But I'm just telling you, it's new and I say pursue it go into it lean into it take one more day every single time one more day and go okay i'll give it another go i'll give it another go until the end yeah i like that nick i like that and the only comments i would make is that it's when, when we think about the challenge you know we're talking about like two components one is to modify our food intake in most cases we're uh, making changes 
to portion out our foods appropriately. Um, so you may be eating the same types of foods as you were eating when you're not on the challenge, just a little bit less of those foods, or you're making changes to your food behaviors where you're eating things like more fruits and vegetables and more uh, you know, lean sources of protein. Um, so these things are, are, are positive changes um, and these things you know, should be good for you where we're just eating good food, right? That's the first component of it. The second component is that we're introducing physical activity. Um, you know, things like getting more steps in, you know, things like resistance training, going to a gym, you know, and again, these things should be positive things to our health where we're doing uh, resistance training. So, um, or just doing physical activity. So both these things combined, when we look at the challenge, maybe in a zoomed out point of view, uh, you know, should be good things, right? You know, where we're eating good food and where we're exercising. Um, and it should be something that is a positive experience. Now, if we are having lots of negative experiences, um, we may need to dive a little bit deeper. And that's something that's probably outside of the pay grade of the challenge. Um, but it might be that things like training and exercise, maybe you're simply just training too hard, right? You're just going, uh, you know, all out and you're trying to give it your all, which it can be appropriate to some, but if you're not ready for it, why train that hard if it's gonna leave you in a negative aspect? We wanna make it feel good. So that's the first thing we wanna say. The next point would be our um, thoughts, emotions, and uh, relationships with things like exercise, viewing exercise as a negative aspect, and things like uh, our relationship with food and um, maybe negative, behaviors around food and and and, and um, punishments around food and again very much outside of our, our scope of practice the final thing that's probably worth investigating more is external stresses so if you're doing the challenge comma and you're doing uh, maybe uh, two full-time jobs you've got uh, two kids you're a single parent plus you're uh, renting your lease is almost empty and and you need to find a new house um, plus you're facing some financial stresses and you're unwell okay you've got lots of stresses going on in your life plus you're trying to find time to go to the gym plus you're trying to find time to do things like meal prep okay you're probably just a, a big ball of stress lots of things going on it makes a lot of sense so um, just a couple of things to think about Christy and, and anybody else who's feeling the same way and like Nick said it is totally normal to to feel a little bit run down because we're, we're we're trying to make changes in our body, especially something like the challenge. But if it's too hard, just just scale it back. We can get some really great results by doing a moderate effort versus a really high effort to what we're trying to do. That's right. And look, nobody really shares their down days, so it's everybody's highlight reel. So just know that it's very normal to feel a bit down sometimes. Either way, so just. As long as you're working towards getting better, I don't think that um, there's any problems. Yeah, yeah. Nick, next question here comes from Alicia. Alicia, and she writes, Morning, I've noticed that some people at the gym perform squats and deadlifts without their shoes on. I was wondering why they do this and is there a benefit in doing these moves without shoes? Thank you. Okay, uh, let's break it down. Um, to answer this question, uh, we're gonna talk broadly about training, a little bit about squats, deadlifts. Uh, but firstly, probably foremost, people may choose to train without shoes or barefoot simply because it's comfortable, simply because they it's something they like to do, it's a, a ritual, a practice, um, and we can't take that away from that, anybody. So um, if you see someone training without shoes, it might be simply just because they like it, or they enjoy it, or they just 
like train barefoot and that's totally totally fine totally acceptable um i often train without shoes on because i'm in my garage at home so i'm not going to go from like my house put some shoes on to go to the garage and then exercise i'm just maybe wear uh some thongs and just walk to my garage and, and, and train barefoot so that's something i do nick i know that you like to take your shoes off when you train again yep. for comfort um and that could probably be first and foremost comfort reasons yeah. next uh i just want to say that there is some interesting literature that highlights that there's no significant difference to training with shoes without shoes or training with any specific type of shoe um so don't feel any pressure that you need to take your shoes off, leave your shoes on, or purchase any specific shoes to you know, get any better performance outcomes. Now, with anecdotes and some rationalization, you could start to say, well, you know, maybe some elite level athletes choose specific types of shoes with specific types of technology to um, improve output. For example, when I'm doing things like squats, I often wear um, a, weightlifting shoes which have a heel um, to change the way I squat so that I can really get my knees over the toes and to really drive my quads into the movement. So there are some technologies that we can utilize, um, but in, in most cases, you know, you don't need to feel pressure that you need to have certain shoes. Okay, that's something I need, need to highlight. Now, let's talk about why people may choose to take their shoes off. Firstly, and probably the main reason is for stability re reasons. So some shoes have so much technology in them, uh, most runners specifically, that they have quite a lot of padding, you know, centimeters worth of padding in the shoe um, and the sole is curved. So if you were wearing like running shoes and you were to push your foot into the ground, you'll notice that the shoe actually rocks to propel you forward like you're about to do your next stride in, in a run. So if you're doing something like a deadlift or a squat where you're stationary and you were pushing your feet into the ground or you've got load on your back or in your hands or whatever, and you're pushing your feet into the ground, you don't want the shoe to be pushing you forward like you're about to take a stride. You want to be having a shoe that is flat soled, um, not wobbly or wonky because, you know, some of the padding can be like you're standing on a maybe a, a BOSU ball or like a, a foam mat where it's a little bit... Uh, unstable you want it to be as stable as you can so people often um would wear whatever shoes they feel comfortable whatever looks cool they got their sweet kicks on they go to the gym they take their shoes off when they're doing things like squats or deadlifts so that they're stable straight to the ground so that's the first reason the second reason would be the actual range of motion so again some shoes have quite thick soles where it adds centimeters to their the distance between their actual sole of their foot and the ground and that centimeter or two can be significant so if you are going to deadlift deadlift a, a one rep max you're in a performance environment you're a power lifter whatever you are uh, that extra centimeter or two is an extra dis distance that you need to take so if you take your shoes off that can solve that problem okay the final reason that some people choose to take their shoes off is a, uh, a claim to naturalism that it's more natural to train without shoes on um, but I think that's a logical fallacy because why are you wearing shoes anyway, right? You might as well just walk around barefoot everywhere if that's that's the claim. But you're about to uh, take your shoes off to be more natural when you go into a gym where you know, you've know got iron everywhere, there's lights everywhere, you are about to do resistance training, how natural is that? So I think that's a bit of a logical fallacy, okay? 
if you want to take your shoes off, a few things to consider. Number one, just generally the uh, gym etiquette, right? If you take your shoes off, you may not know that your, your feet smell, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, or if you've got kind of like sweaty feet and you're leaving little sweat stains everywhere, it's just general etiquette, right? That's just a, a nice thing to do. Number two, think about the gym rules. I've trained at some gyms where for safety, they say you need to keep your shoes on, not that your shoes are going to protect you if you drop weights on it. Like if you drop 25 kilo plate on your runners, you're, you're, you're probably going to break your toes regardless if you have shoes or not. Um, So that might be a gym rule. So just be aware of that. And finally is for safety, um, more of um, uh, uh, slip and trips and falls. So um, some some weightlifting platforms that are made with like a a timber polish, um, if you're wearing socks and you go to deadlift, you may find that you slip on that that surface so you may benefit from actually wearing shoes um, versus no shoes on some surfaces or just take your socks off and you're actually going bare barefoot so just something to consider there but in most cases um you know you could see benefit from taking off really high-tech runners and training with no shoes on um and i advise most people to wear like casual shoes like really popular um like flats or or the uh chucks all stars are really really popular with um you know diehard gym bro and broettes um and you may find that just the stability benefits is 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 quite significant to when you're when you're training um i would also argue that with squats you may benefit from actually um having a higher heel something like a weightlifting shoe but uh, again you know I'm not saying that the only way to squat is if you go and buy a $200 pair of shoes so that you can squat, like you can squat in any, any aspect, right? Everyone can squat. So um, yeah, shoes, no shoes. Don't feel pressure to do one or the other. Just do what's comfortable. Yeah, for sure. Um, my only reason is that one of the cues that has really stuck with me over the years for deadlifting is push the floor away. And I feel like I have a better connection with pushing the floor away when my feet are stuck to the floor with nothing else. And also simply it's that placebo effect, I think, where I've had great success with no shoes on. And now it's one of my rituals where I think that that's why, mm. along with some other things that I do, that it's like have a coffee at a certain time. And it, there are just some things that, that there'd be no real, there'd be nothing detrimental if I stopped doing it, but I just, it's just part of my ritual. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's significant enough. Like if you take your shoes off and it feels a certain way, like me training at home and I'm barefoot. And if I'm doing deadlifts barefoot at home, um, in my garage and I feel my little toe beans on the floor and I feel the coldness of the little draft under my garage, all these little aspects play a part in my ritual of doing the deadlift. Then if I was to go and deadlift at a, a powerlifting meet where I'm, you know, I'm wearing shoes, I'm in a crowd and, uh, you know, there's a, a big room and there's music playing, all the things, that's going to be a different, like, setup, different environment, different cues, and it's going to feel different. So I might not be able to perform to my most practiced best effort. Um, so in most cases, I want to keep as much of the ritual similar in my training. And one of those things is just what I like doing, comfort reasons. Yeah, 100%. Nick, next question here comes from Vanessa. Vanessa writes, it's so hard not to get discouraged when the two kilos you had just lost goes back on with your menstrual cycle. My logical side makes sense of it, but it's hard to not let the emotions take over. Feeling so much, feeling so much better in myself, my husband can notice the cellulite disappearing. What's some strategies that you use, Coach Nick, when the time of the month comes around? So Nick, what advice do you have for Vanessa? 
firstly, like as a just to be funny, I I try and avoid all public um, outings <laughs> and occasions just to just so I don't um, like lose a lot of friends. <laughs> but other than that, because you know you can you can be a bit emotional around that time. I I um because I'm so in tune with with my body. Because uh, basically, you know, I take measurements, I take progress. I, I take photos. I'm, I'm probably too in tune with it. So I notice any changes. I will know when things are happening. I will know my mood. Um, what I don't let it do, and I know it's very trendy at the moment, but I'm actually now against it, is train around my menstrual cycle. The reason is because you never get anything done. You know, if you, if you start to limit yourself with that sort of thing, um, you've got to be mindful that obviously you're going to train differently to a man um, at certain in certain phases. And for, But we know that anyway. Um, so I... I listen to myself in terms of uh, if I'm extra fatigued, I may um, not do, oh, that's not true. I just always give it a go. I give whatever's on my program a go. But um, I recommend that you don't have to listen to me about that. Um, if you're newish, uh, you know, have a listen. If you're a little bit more fatigued, it might be not not necessarily time to go in and get a PB, um, you know, that kind of a thing. But also the other thing that I, I just thought of before, which I didn't actually answer Vanessa on the forum with this, um, you know how she said she lost two kilos and then she put it back on. If she hadn't have lost the two kilos, she'd be up two kilos from the initial start weight. So think about it like that as well. Your, your um, period weight is now your beginning weight. So that's so amazing because that two kilos will drop off and you'll be back to where you are with the weight loss. Um, otherwise, you would have been just say you were 65 and then you went up to 67 every time you had your period. Well, um, now you're, you, you're maybe 63 and you go up to 65. So that's really, really good. If, you, if, you're, if you're your start weight when you're at your feeling your absolute worst, imagine when that clears in a couple of days. The thing is also uh, when you look stuff up online, it's not necessarily um, the same for every woman. Sometimes people retain water during their period. Sometimes it disappears on the first day. Sometimes it can it can come back a couple of days after. So there's nothing really um, concrete about it all. I know lots of men have written books on women with their periods and stuff. You've just got to log your own symptoms because it really is different for everybody. Um, it feels like a surprise for us every month because it's long enough in between that we've had other life events go on. So um, we forget about it. So I will constantly say to Shane, do I always feel like this? And he's like, yes. I say to my mum, is my period due? She's like, yes. Yeah. She's even got her, gotten it written down, I think, um, because it must be so bad. <laughs> the Italian mood swings. But yeah, so I go back to the notes from the month before. I um, log it onto my Garmin and I just say um, really simple stuff like symptoms, feeling bloated, feeling annoyed, um, weight up a little bit. So I'm starting to get better at that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I acknowledge that I might feel a little bit tired and I try and avoid making massive life decisions around that time. So it's not the time to quit or decide that it's working or not working. Definitely just be neutral about stuff and um there's two schools of thought on this. You can either completely ignore the scales for a couple of days or you can do what I do. I just get on with it. I just look at it as data. And then that, that has actually empowered me over the years because the same thing happens every month. So it's not a coincidence. That is what happens. Um, yeah, hormonally, there's all sorts of stuff going on where we are um, going to retain fluids uh because of the different mixture of hormones that it's got that that's occurring so you just got to ride the wave with that um and yeah i don't really have 
any specific coach Nick special things that I do, but I certainly would have missed out on a whole bunch of PBs if I didn't just get on with it. And sometimes some of the best sessions I've had have just been when I haven't sort of given into feeling too tired, but that's me. That's just my own advice. I'm not telling anyone else to do that, but I certainly need to get on with stuff because otherwise you, you've got, you're basically out for six or seven days and then before and after and, and then ovulation. I mean, what? Forget about it. <laughs> Forget about it. Remember when I used to, I used to do podcasts with you going, let's train around your menstrual cycle. And I know, I know it's important. I know it's important as a woman and probably I'll get crucified, but I'm just saying also know your power, know your body and know that you are going to be okay. It's a natural thing to happen. Just be connected to it and um, you'll be okay. I like that. You're going to, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Hmm. like my my only uh 10 cents of it all nick and i can't speak for my experiences with menstrual cycle because i do not have a menstrual cycle i'm sorry uh is that generally we should all male female everything in between be uh auto regulating our training depending on how we're feeling that day so you know we should be asking ourselves internally how ready am i to train uh, and then scaling our performance for that day accordingly. So um, maybe in a, in a slightly different example, if I wake up um, and I'm, I'm feeling really average, maybe I had a poor quality sleep because I had to wake up multiple times for my, my kids. Maybe I, I trained just the day before um, and you know my body's a bit sore and you know I've got other stresses in my life. You know I've got, uh, I don't know, challenge work to do and all the other things that are going on in my life. Um, and if I wake up and I'm like, oh geez, I'm really not feeling it today but my program says that I'm gonna be maxing out of my squats. Okay, probably not wise to be going and trying to max out in my squat when I'm just not feeling great. You know, maybe I'm feeling a, an average of like a, a six out of 10 on that particular day. It would be wise to scale my projected performance accordingly. So instead of maxing out, okay, maybe if I choose to do 90% of my weight on this particular day, instead of putting, I don't know, 200 kilos on the bar, I'm gonna put 90% of that. So I'm gonna put 180 kilos on the bar. Uh, and then I'm going to lift that instead of the, the max weight of, of, of 200. Um, so I'm regulating myself according to how ready I am to train. And I think that's the same conversation if you are, um, you know, on your menstrual cycle, if you are feeling a little bit down, a little bit run down, a little bit tired, fatigued. Okay, instead of going to the gym and training at 100%, a 10 out of 10, can you train at a 9 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10? Uh, or could you scale your program accordingly? Um, and Nick, I think you're right. There is some, you know, validity to around, creating a training program around your menstrual cycle. But uh, again, I can't speak for menstruation. Different periods in time have different experiences. You know, one month you might be feeling really run down. The next month you're like, oh, it's actually not too bad. The next month you're like, oh, geez, I barely feel it. So you can't base your entire uh, training around, you know, just this one experience. It is a day-to-day -day relationship with your training and how you scale that accordingly so you can train within your capacity for that day. Mm, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I just think, I think we don't want to give it too much power it's a it's it's something that that yeah it depends also on you know the pain that you feel because some some women feel more pain uh, as you go through different stages of life it may be heavier or lighter you know let's get right into it but um yeah if you're someone who just gets completely knocked out by it then respect that as well mm -hmm. you know because yeah. some some women it's it's dreadful for so yeah take that time you know the gym will always be there 
Jim will always be there. Nick. Yeah, that's the, that's the one truth. <laughs> <laughs> Final question here comes from Fletcher. Fletcher writes, hey coaches, ended up getting a gym membership and being able to swap to the M plus workout, absolutely smash the workout and going hard. The only thing is halfway, I started to run out of gas, even when having a giant breakfast an hour before. What are your recommendations for mid-workout fuel to keep going? Okay, uh, let's break it down. Firstly, let's just answer the primary question that Fletcher is asking, and then there are some other nuances in his uh, question that we can break down even further. So the last part, what are your recommendations for mid-workout fuel? Uh, in most cases, most of us don't need, uh, you know, intra or mid-workout nutrition, okay? Um, I would say that most of us who require um, intra-workout nutrition are those who are training, you know, beyond 90 minutes, beyond two hours. Um, most of us who are doing, you know, endurance-like activities, like, you know, if Coach Nick was about to do an Ironman um, or a marathon or some other long distance event where she's training for more than two hours, then she probably requires some, um, you know, intra-workout nutrition. For most of us who are going to the gym for anywhere between half an hour to an hour, we, we don't necessarily need any uh, intra-workout nutrition in terms of, um, you know, our, our macronutrients. We don't need calories while we're training. Okay. Now, if we choose that we, we, we require something like that, um, maybe you have, uh, you, you don't have weight loss goals, you have a calorie budget and you're like, or, or, or a calorie surplus and you're like, okay, I can, I can have more here. Some really uh, easy options are things like um, carb rich drinks things like Gatorades, Powerades, those sports drinks, they're, you know, extra calories, carbohydrates, really simple um, carbohydrate that, that is basically like a glucose uh, that you can use very, very quickly in your body. So we want to be leaning towards some of the drinks like that. Um, I personally use things like uh, candies. So, you know, I'm talking about jelly beans or, you know, sour worms. Yeah, yeah. Um, sour. <laughs> yeah, I do like the, the sour, sour worms. Um, and again, like probably not necessary, um, but, you know, a couple of jelly beans in between sets, if you're doing a pretty hard workout, can go a long way, um, especially some of those who may be uh, maybe uh, challenges with, with diabetes and glucose, uh, hypo, uh, hypoglucose situation. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybes, okay. But in most cases, we don't need to. Um, in most cases in our workout, we need to focus on hydration. Um, so you may benefit from instead of focusing on fuel, focusing on just hydration, drinking uh, adequate amounts of water, not so much water that you feel, uh, you just feel the water in your belly. So, you know, if you're about to go and do, uh, let's say a squat and you just drunk a liter of water and you just feel it sitting in your midsection and you go to squat and you're like, and you just feel the slosh. water in there. Yeah, exactly. Slosh, slosh, slosh. Uh, okay. Probably not, but you know, we want to be sipping water adequately throughout our session. Now, Touching on a few points that Fletcher has made here, where uh, number one, he's smashing the workout and going hard. So if you're hitting a wall, running out of gas about halfway, it might be that you're simply training too hard, right? Um, again, using a squat as an example, if squats were my first activity and I was giving it you know, 10 out of 10 effort for each set, maybe I'm doing two, three, four sets of squats. By the time I do my next exercise, let's say, I don't know, I go to do a lunge, 
I'm pretty gassed after my squats and I can barely do any lunges and you know the rest of my session is pretty much done because I've trained so hard you know smashing it so that might be the simple answer is that you're running out of gas because you just train too hard maybe you know going to that 10 out of 10 or beyond you know doing things like drop sets and supersets and really pushing ourselves beyond that point of failure which which can happen if we're excited about a challenge it can definitely happen the next point is made is that um, having a giant breakfast an hour before. So uh, yes, you know our recommendations is to eat in the time leading up to your session. Um, you know you can eat anywhere between you know two hours prior up to like thirty minutes prior, and depending on when you choose to eat. If you are choosing to eat closer to your session, you want to be having um, more easily digestible carbohydrates. So think, uh, you know, maybe like a, a, a white rice, right? Um, versus if you're choosing to eat in the hours leading up to it, you know, two hours prior to your session, you want to be having a little bit more of that complex carbohydrate, maybe a little bit more fiber in your meal. So you may choose to have, um, you know, a brown rice instead. Okay. So this is maybe that pre-workout nutrition. So if you're having a giant breakfast an hour before your session, and that breakfast might be high in fiber or high in fat, um, you know, you may be facing just some simple digestion challenges. So that nutrition isn't necessarily entering your bloodstream ready to go it's kind of still in your gut digesting and taking its time to digest so you may want to make some changes to your pre-workout food in the morning especially in the morning because you don't have other meals to lead up to it if you were training in the afternoon and you've had breakfast lunch some snacks okay you've got a bit of nutrition floating around in your body but if you've just woken up from a fasting period you've had a giant breakfast that's high in fats and fiber it might take longer to digest and enter your your bloodstream so you might need to look at that area and maybe choose foods that are lower in fiber finally the biggest one when we're training in the morning is that we are very dehydrated Right. We haven't drunk water for a long period of time while we've been sleeping. Most of us aren't drinking water while we're sleeping. And we end up, uh, you know, expending lots of uh, fluids, right? Um, you know, we sweat quite a bit. We, we breathe out a lot of fluid just, just through breathing and carbon dioxide, right? Um, so we do need to hydrate a lot. And for some of us, you know, even if you just think about this day in particular, Right, this day in particular, when I woke up, I'm thinking about it. Okay, what did I do? I woke up. Yeah, okay. I went to the toilet, and then you know, I, I went out to the kitchen, and then you know, I had a had a glass of water, I had a had a cup of coffee, and geez, how much how much more water have I drunk today? Not a lot. I'm thirsty right now that I think about it. So you know, for a lot of us, you know, drinking adequate water when we wake up isn't really on the top of our our, our list of, of of priorities, especially if you are like waking up getting some food in you then going to the gym you've got a million things going on to try to logistically get out the door have you adequately drunk enough water and how much water should you drink i don't have that answer but you know at least a cup of water at least two cups of water get it in you right um so you're adequately hydrated for your session so fletcher you might be experiencing just simply dehydration you may benefit from drinking a bit more water prior to your session and then even a few sips during your session the last thing I want to touch on is just general fatigue. And, you know, we've spoken about it a few points today already. But, you know, if you are feeling stressed, you've had poor quality sleep, um, you know, there's other things going on in your life, you may find that you get gassed really quickly uh, simply because of strength endurance. Um, you know, again, talking me personally and my experience with kids and poor quality sleep, I've had to modify 
my expectations of training because I get a few sets in and I'm just gassed, you know, I'm sitting there staring at my garage wall being like, geez, uh, how much more of this do I have to do? Because I'm just physically exhausted. So that might be the same for you. If you've got other things going on in your life, anything from one night of poor quality sleep, or, you know, you've got deadlines at work or you're a student and you've got exams or you've got kids yourself or financial challenges, whatever it is, that may be influencing um, your endurance, your strength endurance while you're training, which just means that you fatigue quicker, um, which is just something we need to manage over time. And maybe there's ways that you can improve your stress management outside of the gym, but that might be another another cause of all of this. So the main takeaway, Fletcher, is we we it's not really clear what might be causing you to run out of gas. Um, it's unlikely that you need pre uh, intra workout nutrition, we may need to address pre-workout nutrition and overall readiness for your, your training session. But it's good to see that you're in the gym and smashing it out. So, so, so keep on going, Fletcher. Go Fletcher. Go Fletcher. So good. Nick, let's wrap it up there for episode number 103 of the Challenge Weekly Show. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know and we'll catch you next week for episode 104. Yep. See you then. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Or leave us a review on iTunes to spread the good word. See you next time.